Volume two, chapter one of Mrs. Armitage or Female Domination by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter one. A boy. God bless your highness, tis a girl. Promising boys hereafter. Henry the eighth. When Arthur Armitage, haggard with the fatigue and anxiety of his journey, rushed into the drawing room at Holywell, prepared to hear the worst which the solemn deportment of old simmons on the hall steps had already partly communicated he was at a loss to interpret the expression of his mother's countenance it was not that of affliction no marian must still be alive it was that of intense vexation but sophia seeing her brother incapable of uttering a syllable of inquiry explained all in a few kind words his wife was safe and he was the father of a little girl in another minute he was in marian's darkened chamber awaiting the precautions necessary for the announcement of his arrival and touched as he already was the tears fell from his eyes as concealed behind her curtain he listened to the faint accents in which she murmured another disappointment i fancied i heard a carriage will he never come shall i never never see him again but this one painful moment was followed by hours of unqualified happiness with one hand locked in her husband's while contemplating the beauty of the sleeping babe which bore so remarkable a resemblance to arthur it certainly never occurred to marian that the birth of so fair and promising a creature could be a source of annoyance to any human being yet the steward's room at holywell participating in the vexation of its lady had almost refused to drink health to the newly born and at what quarter of the universe miss armytage the second was wished by the whole population of the village it might not be discreet to conjecture the disappointment of the poorer tenants was however of brief duration mrs armytage's attention was roused to the possibility that her mortification might become evident to the neighbourhood by a visit of congratulation from the inevitable proprietor of mill hill who mingled with his felicitations the expression of an earnest hope that the next child born at holywell might be a boy she accordingly gave orders that although no bells were to be rung nor beacon nor bonfire to be kindled all the expected gratuities should be bestowed and all the preparations for festivity continued the ox need not be roasted whole but it might still be apportioned to the poor after all the little find their account in the ostentations of the great but although she prepared herself to receive with the blandest courtesy the congratulations of the neighbourhood and the good wishes of her dependents on the occasion mrs armytage had very little patience with marian's exultation in finding herself the mother of a daughter she had always so wished for a girl girls are such comforts such companions to their mothers boys such plagues such disappointments her own mother had gone through such anxieties with her seven unruly noisy boys her own mother had often told her there was more gratification to be hoped from the possession of one daughter than from a dozen sons her own mother 
as if the opinions of a mrs baltimore of baker street were to be quoted in a case of heirship to holywell park the ancient estate of holywell the inheritance of the family of maudsley from the days of doomsday book but marian was above propitiating her awful mother-in-law either by artifice or hypocrisy she knew that mrs armytage was vexed old mrs macklin had admitted the fact but she did rejoice in her daughter and would not conceal it she could not even concur in arthur's opinion that his mother should be conciliated by an invitation to become sponsor to the child for she had always promised mamma and aunts that they should be godmothers to her first little girl mrs armytage smiled contemptuously on learning that her granddaughter her granddaughter was to be named harriet after mrs baltimore but marian might have christened it jacobina after its godfather mr dyke robsey and she would have disdained to interfere mrs arthur appeared indeed to have already regained her unhappy skill in the art of giving offence mrs armytage happened to be present when she expressed to her husband a desire that she might get well as fast as possible in order to pass the promised fortnight at spalding court and to overhear her entreaties that she might not be obliged to accept a similar invitation to greta castle she was quite sure the rotherhams would bore her to death lady arabella quin had always assured her that lady rotherham was the greatest quiz on earth and then she freely admitted that she considered the wemmersleys the pleasantest people in the neighbourhood was all eagerness that arthur should fix the day for his election ball at the blue boar and playfully reproached him with indifference towards so interesting an event little did she suspect how disagreeably arthur's thoughts were preoccupied next to being in love nothing renders a man so absent and so unsatisfactory a companion as being in debt and armytage was entangled in difficulties which although of no very serious nature proved most annoying to a young man of spirit and honour unaccustomed to the degradation of pecuniary embarrassment on quitting paris he had been under the necessity of giving bills to the amount of many hundred pounds and the extreme liberality with which mrs armytage had come forward in the business of his election and the considerable sum she had undertaken to add to his income in order to enable him to meet the expenses of a residence in town rendered it almost impossible for him to apply to her for assistance he trusted that in the course of a year he might economize the necessary sum but his own fortune was now tied up by settlements and in the interim what were to be his resources business with his lawyer connected with these embarrassments had been the true cause of delaying his return to holywell business which his sudden summons into the country had left unsettled nor could he at present quit marian for the renewal of his negotiations so that arthur's brow was often clouded by disturbance of mind which it was above all things his object to conceal from the observation of his mother and sister his sadness was not however lost on marian but it was attributed only to regret for the pleasures and associations of london and in this persuasion every shade upon her husband's countenance 
became reflected with deeper gloom upon her own while her tears fell silently upon her slumbering child she thought it doubly hard that the sorrows of life should be thus introduced to render her pillow sleepless at a period consecrated in most instances by the utmost vigilance of conjugal tenderness re-engrossed by his own vexations her husband detected not the gradual depression of her spirits or naturally attributed the alteration of her manners to the feebleness of her frame yet he considered her sufficiently convalescent to entitle him to ride over to spalding court to consult his friend lord wyndham who was just arrived from the continent concerning his pecuniary dilemma for when people get into mischief it is always to those on mischief intent that they turn for counsel arthur decided that winsome win constantly involved in scrapes of a similar nature could not but be an admirable adviser for any other purpose his friend greta or his friend greta's father would have been readily preferred but he dared not on this occasion refer himself to lord rotherham who he was persuaded would not fail to force his personal assistance upon the son of his old friend lord wyndham's purse no doubt was equally at his service but the purse of a younger son and a gambler would probably convey no alarming weight of obligation i wish you were not going to spalding court just now observed sophie on learning from her brother that the distance of the visit would render it necessary for him to sleep there in the event of his friend wynne being already arrived or at greta castle a few miles off in order to avoid a formal day with the duke and duchess and why not marian is almost recovered true but any uneasiness on your account might throw her back uneasiness what uneasiness can possibly result from a man's riding across the country to dine and sleep with a friend no reasonable anxiety i admit said sophie blushing with the apprehension of betraying the secret she had half discovered half divined of the jealous griefs of her sister-in-law and then my mother is so much annoyed by the idea of your going uninvited to the duke of spalding's my dear little soph had you only heard the duchess's general invitations to me in london you would have fancied me a bachelor duke with the rent-roll of a german sovereign and admitted that even the susceptibility of a mrs armytage need suffer no alarm but you have not paid a single visit since your return to our oldest friends and neighbours the maranhams for instance our oldest neighbours indeed interrupted arthur ask yourself whether it would be natural for me to prefer the society of those weird women to that of my young friends the spaldings and then you have decided to go on tuesday said sophie abandoning point after point to the brother so long accustomed to exercise unlimited influence over her thoughts and actions and on wednesday the tenants are to have their feast and cannot they eat their beef and pudding in my daughter's honour without my being present to wish them a good appetite my mother fancied you would make it a point to appear among them on such an occasion had i even proposed it she would never have forgiven me you know how she hates my interference it would be a pity however that you should thwart her on so trifling a temptation persisted miss armytage the recollection of marian's pale face and of her mother's angry one prompting her to persevere 
but arthur whose humour was just then strongly tinctured with the irritation arising from a london attorney's letter on the subject of his bills was no less obstinate than his sister i am tired out by the constant apprehension of thwarting my mother's whims and fancies said he at my age it is time to leave off leading strings the subjection in which i have been held from the hour of my birth has proved the bane of my life has prevented me from taking my place in society as i ought has prevented me from marrying as i ought sophia fancying that this last remark bore reference to lady laura greta felt the colour rise in her cheeks well well let us say no more about it she cried dreading what might follow i beg your pardon let us say all that is to be said now we are on so ungracious a subject i wish to prepare you sophie for seeing me throw off this miserable state of subservience for seeing me vindicate my rights and act like a man henceforth i shall go where i please live with whom i please and should my mother persist in opposing my wishes at every turn and reducing me to the condition of an automaton good-bye holywell i swear to heaven i will retire to some hovel in wales and never see her face again you are angry now and i will not dispute the point with you said the mild sophia aware that arthur's wrath was never a very long continuance i know you do too much justice to my mother's excellence ever to be betrayed into treating her with disrespect meanwhile do not talk quite so loud for you have a little wife whose nerves are not very strong just now and who if i mistake not has already learned to tremble at the sound of an angry voice End of volume two, chapter one.